What's up, 1130? How you guys doing this morning? You guys doing well? Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is CJ. I'm one of the pastors here, and we're glad that you're with us today. Uh, on your seat looks like it's a packet of information. I'm sorry we have so much stuff on your seats today, but there's a couple of important things that are sitting there that I'd like you to take notice of. First thing is, is this thing that says, oh, what fun. Uh, this is our Christmas Eve invite for you guys to hand out to your friends and your family, co-workers, neighbor, people you don't like, so they might find Jesus, so you might like them later on in life. And uh, what's happening this year is, is because we don't have enough room, here at our facility to do enough services for Christmas Eve. We did it like six or seven last year. We just can't do that this year. We're actually renting out Pine Trails Park here in Parkland, and uh, we're taking up, and we're going to have a huge service out there at 5 p.m. We're going to have bounce houses, Santa, all kinds of craziness, and so we'd love to invite you to invite your friends and family. We're going to have a great time. It's a great opportunity for you to invite people that would maybe never dawn the doors of a church, but will show up to a park to celebrate the risen Savior who is being born, and so that's a great opportunity. Also, if you missed the last couple of weeks because you were gone on vacation for the holidays or whatever, we made some kind of some big announcements here at church of some things that we could do because of all that God is doing here at our church. And, and we said, man, there's actually three things that we have the opportunity to do over the next 18 months or so that I think could be a game changer for us as a church as we began this series called Legacy. One of those things is, is because we're getting pretty full as, as a church is that next year we could go and we could start another location, another campus of Coastal Community Church and be one church in two locations somewhere in the surrounding vicinity to, to make it hard for people to go to hell by making it easy for them to go to church. I also said, that there are some things that we can do to hunker down here and continue to create space for more people and more services and all those things. There's some things we need to do in order to be able to do that. I also said that we could uh, possibly begin construction on the next phase of this facility to expand it, to make this location a bigger facility to handle more people here so we could reach more and more people in our community. And um, all of that stuff is right here in this book, so I'm not going to take any time to kind of, but you can take this home, you can read all through it, it'll give you all of that information, uh, but I also promise you, if you were here last week, is that I would show you some pictures of the inside of the facility if you want to see them. Does anybody want to see those? Okay, so you're serve, we're going to save that for the, 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 the 1245 service because they want to see that. You guys want to see it? I still don't believe you, so... I'm going to try one more time. This is your last chance. I will skip this part. Anybody want to see some future facility picture? Okay, that's a little bit better. It's a little bit better. So, so this is the outside and our, our future lobby. And uh, this will actually go from that parking lot up front to the parking lot in the back that will be built. Uh, those are some huge glass doors that will actually raise up. And we can just, it will be like garage doors that you can just flow people through. And you guys can hang out on couches and drink coffee and all that kind of fun stuff. And then uh, this will be the inside of the auditorium uh, that we'll be doing. Uh, it's about uh, 900 seats. And so we'll be able to, instead of doing instead of doing six services, maybe we can go back down to like three uh, to start with. Um, give, give your pastor a break here. Uh, I'm kind of losing my voice right now as it is. But what we said is we're doing a special offering next weekend. There's this envelope. We ask that you take some time, you pray, you ask God what he would have you do, and then we just ask that you be obedient to that and be generous. It will be amazing next week. So anyways, we began this series called Legacy. Last week we are talking about our faith, we are talking about our family, and we are talking about our future. And I don't know if you realize this or not, but every single one of us is creating a legacy. Whether that's a good legacy, whether that's a bad legacy, how you're living today is positioning the legacy that people are going to tell tomorrow about your life. And so... 
The question isn't what kind of legacy are, the question is what am I leaving a legacy is what kind of legacy am I leaving in this life? Like what kind of impact am I leaving in this life that people are going to remember my life by? And we actually started off with a verse that is kind of the key verse for this series out of Isaiah chapter uh, 54 verses 2 and 3. And, and, and Isaiah here is going to give us some keys. We talked about him last week if you want to go back and listen. But let me just repeat it. It says, enlarge the side of your tent to make room for more children. Stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare them. Lengthen your tent ropes and make your pegs, stakes firm in the ground. He says, for you will spread out to the right and to the left. And your descendants will take possession of nations and will inhabit deserted cities. And, and what God is saying is he's saying, listen, every single one of us here in this life are creating a legacy. But if we want to live to the capacity, if we want to live at the level of what God wants to do in our lives, then what we have to do right here, right now, in this season of our life is we have to be continual people that are willing to grow and stretch and expand ourselves to become the men and women that God has called us to be. Because the only way we're going to have the potential to do everything that God wants us to do is if we're willing to get uncomfortable in life. And so many of us, the greatest hindrance to our future is our comfort today. And God's saying, listen, now is a time for you to stretch. Now is a time for you to enlarge. And here's what I promise. There's always a promise when there's a premise, when there's something for you to do. He says, here's what I'll do. I will take your descendants and I'll spread them out to the right and to the left. And they'll take possession of lands and they'll inhabit deserted cities. In other words, everything that you're doing right now is creating a legacy for future generations. Do you realize that? The, the power of your choice right now is creating the place where other people are going to live and how they're going to live and what that life is going to look like today. So what kind of legacy are you leaving? Because the goal for all of us, and we said this last week, is legacy is where my life and your life lives on. It lives on in a way because of the impact that we've made that has made a difference in other people's lives. When we think about legacy, most people automatically think legacy, oh, that's like a will. Because people that are thinking of legacy are thinking about the next generation. And when you have a will, what you're doing is you're saying, hey, I have some possessions. I have some things in life that I want to leave to my family and my friends. And somebody that has a will is very future-minded. And they're saying, hey, there are some tangible things that I want to pass on to the next generation. And I would submit to you today that not only do you have a will of physical things in life, but there is a spiritual legacy that you can pass on to the next generation. And that God actually would wants us to live a life where we're giving something away that is going to be uh, passed down from generation to generation to generation. And so my question for you is, is, what is in your life right now that has spiritual value that you'll pass on? Like, what is that spiritual legacy that you're going to entrust in the generation coming after you. See, legacy isn't leaving something for someone. Legacy is leaving something in someone. And that is the goal for every single one of us is that we would make some deposits in people's lives that that would then trickle down to generation to generation to generation. That's where legacy begins. In fact, in Psalms 112, verse 6, it says, Surely the righteous will never be shaken. They will be remembered forever, which basically is saying when you live 
in a right way and righteously, righteousness gets remembered. And I don't know about you, but I want my life to be remembered. And so the question is, is how do we begin to live a life of spiritual legacy today? How do we create a spiritual legacy that's going to move on to generation, to generation, to generation. Super practical today. If you're taking notes, number one, the, what we have to do is we have to live with integrity. We've got to live with integrity. Man, we have got to build a life of character. And what we see happen all throughout our culture is we see people that are very talented, that are very gifted, that are very equipped with some skills and abilities, and they will rise to the top fast. But what happens is when they get to the top, they don't have the character to sustain that level of success. And the success that they wanted always ends up crushing them because they don't have the character to hold it up. And the goal of our life is that we would live with such integrity that we would be able to sustain any level of success or, 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 or winning that God would put in our life. In fact, I was reading this week, and I was reading about how Time Magazine has put out a list of the most influential people or the, the people that are most admired for like the last 70-plus years. And it's a list where Gallup would go out and survey thousands of people, and they'd come up with the 10 most influential people in the entire world. And they would, they'd put this on Time Magazine every single year, and you would see people come on the list and go off the list. Why? Because they had some success but they didn't have character to keep them there. But there was one man who was on the list for 61 years straight. In fact, he only missed one year, and that was a year that they didn't publish the list. He would actually still be on the list if he was alive today, but he died a few years ago. And the man that was on the list more than any other person was the man, Reverend Billy Graham. And the reason Reverend Billy Graham was on that list so many times, so admired, is because his life was defined by one word, and that was integrity. When you thought of Billy Graham, you thought of a man who lived with a standard, who lived with a set of values and codes that he was unwilling to break ever. Because he was a man that decided, I'm going to live with integrity. And so let me define integrity for you. It's adherence to a code of values which you will not veer from. In other words, it's a place where you get at in life and you say, hey, this is my standard. Here is my morality compass. It's right here. Here's what I will do, and here's what I won't do. Here's where I'm going to stand and what I won't stand for. Because if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for everything. It's kind of the problem today because we don't, we don't, with where is the line? Well, God has established the line. It's called his word. If you're wondering what the line is, well, where does God stand? Why don't you look at what he's already said? He's already established a line. It's time for some of us to get on the line and go, this is where I'm making my stand. And so if we're going to live with that kind of integrity, it's an important thing. That's why the Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 1, choose a good reputation over great riches. Being held in high esteem is better than silver or gold. If you're held in high esteem, that means other people are propping you up. Why would they do that? Because you have chosen a good reputation. Notice it says you choose a reputation. What that means is, is integrity is a choice. It's not something that some of us are gifted with and other ones of us are not. It means that some of us have decided that there is a line that we're going to live on, and this is going to be the line, and nothing is going to veer for it. So how do we practically do that? Let me give you a couple things. First one is you got to tell the truth. Tell the truth. But TJ, it's just a little, little lie. 
It's a little white lie. It could be a little white lie, a little black lie, a little orange lie. A lie is still a lie. How many lies do you have to tell before you become a liar? Some of y'all aren't sure about that. You're like, ah, what's that a trick question? It's one, right? All you got to do is lie one time and get caught. And what? It, what? It, they're like, liar. Tell the truth. It's hard. Can we all admit that telling the truth is not always an easy thing to do? A lot of us would let, rather fudge the truth. <laughs> I think that that's an interesting fudge the truth. I don't, you know, it's like, in other words, you're giving people a load of crap. Can we be honest in church? I'm just telling the truth. <laughs> Tell the truth. How about this one? Keep your word. Say what you mean and mean what you say. We live in a day and an age where you don't know what anybody means and what anybody's saying. How about we just let our yes be yes and our no be no? Like if we go, hey, like I'll give you an example. We start church, this service starts at 1130. Most of you don't know that because you've never arrived at that time. Just, just FYI. It actually started at 1129 today. We kind of broke our own rule. We started a little bit early. Early is better than late, though. But we keep our word, which means that if we say that it's at 1130, you know what time it's going to start? It's going to start at 1130. If I get up here to make an announcement and uh, I say something's going to start at 630 and the slide behind me says 7, you know what time it's going to start at now? 630. Why? Because we choose to live with integrity. And if I communicate that to you, that's what we're going to do. Keep our word. This last one, I don't like it all, but I'm going to tell you anyways. It's admit when you're wrong. This one is so hard, especially when it comes to your family, isn't it? Like, I found this verse, and it's become my life verse now, because it's, it says in Psalms 101, verse 2, I will try to walk a blameless path, but how I need your help, especially in my own home. Can anybody relate to that? It's like, man, I need a lot of help with Shayla. I mean, I try to be blameless, but that girl's getting me off. It's so hard to go, I was like, like, have you noticed that, like, wrong is hard to get out? Anybody else struggle with that? Like, just, I just struggle with that. And I, I'll never forget this one time. And, and listen, confession is good for your soul, bad for your reputation. I'm just going to tell you that. But uh, Shayla came home from work one day. This was 15 or 16 years ago. And she was, she was communicating with me how, how bad her day was and, and how awful her job was and how much she didn't like it. And she was, she was just communicating with me. And I don't know if you know this, but, but women, when you communicate to guys, what I'm thinking about is fixing that problem. Uh, and I'm going to guess that every other guy is thinking about how do I fix this problem that they're having because I'm a fixer. That fi fixers fix things. That's what fixers do in case you were wondering. And, uh, and you're just communicating because you need to get some things off of your, your chest. And you don't really want a guy to fix anything. You just want us to listen and understand and be empathetic. But we don't. We're, we're, we're slow, okay? I'm just letting you know right now I'm apologizing on behalf of the, the male human race. We are slow. And it takes decades for us to, to, to fathom and comprehend this, this amazingness of who you are. And uh, <laughs> I'm working on it here. And uh, 
And so she's telling me this at the end of that. She's, she's pouring out her heart. She's got tears running down in her face. I looked at her and I said, babe, that's life. You need to get over it. How do you know my life changed that moment forever? <laughs> like I wasn't sleeping in the guest bedroom. I was like sleeping in the doghouse and we didn't even have a dog. And her tears of sadness turned to tears of anger. And I remember I had to go back and I had to go, babe, I was wrong. I'm sorry. Guys, can I just talk to you for a second? Because here's what I know every man wants out of a relationship. He wants to be honored by his spouse. Like every guy's, it's, God just designed you to desire honor from your spouse. Here's the problem. The Bible tells us that humility comes before honor. Which means that, guys, we have to take the low road and be the first ones to go, I was wrong. I'm sorry. I messed up. I screwed up. In order to create the intimacy and the relationship that we so desire, we have to be the first to go, hey, I'm going to be maybe bigger than this situation because I know when I was wrong and I'm willing to admit that I was wrong. Because here's what I find out. So many of us, we're, we're so busy trying to achieve in this world and have a good name out there that we end up with a terrible name inside of our home. And that's not the goal. It's not the goal to have integrity out there and not have integrity with the people that matter the most in our life, the ones that love us the most and care most about us. So critical to every single one of us. A couple of years ago, I was had the opportunity to go to China to do a pastor's conference, and, and we had an off day, and uh, we went to the Great Wall of China, which was an incredible experience, one of the seventh, seven wonders of the world. And I was walking along the Great Wall of China, just blown away that hundreds of years that this, this country had built this wall to protect their nations. And as I started reading about the history uh, of the Great Wall of China, I, I, I found out that while they built this incredible structure, that within the first hundred years of completing that wall, they were invaded three times. And they weren't invaded because somebody went over the wall or dug under the wall. They were invaded because the enemy bribed the guard gate to just open it up and let them in. They got so consumed with, with building a wall that they forgot to build integrity and character into their people. Let's not get so consumed with building this incredible life on the outside that we forget to deposit the things that are necessary into our kids and into our family that is going to last them a lifetime. We've got to live with integrity. Number two, we've got to communicate with life. We have to communicate with life. And what's interesting for me as a pastor is, is you know, I, I, I don't like going to the hospital. I'll try not to go to the hospital ever. In fact, if I show up at the hospital for you, that means you're dying. Just FYI. Um, so if you call and you're like, have Pastor TJ come, you don't want me to come. You want Pastor Josh to come. That means you're going to live. Okay, I'm just going to let you know. You're going you're gonna to have Susie come and pray for you. That means you're going to leave. If TJ shows up, it's bad news. Okay, just go ahead and you can start writing out your will right there. Um, and, and here's what I know is sitting there with people. At the end of their life, the conversation always goes one of two ways. They're celebrating with their family, all the amazingness of life, or they're sitting there and they're going, 
hey, there is, there is this, this, this regret in my life that there has been a, a, a disconnect between me and my sister for 10 years or I've been estranged from this relationship and, and before I die, I need to get this right. I need to like settle this issue. I, like, I need to restore this relationship. Almost always it's one of those two things. And I always think about it in the fact that, that why are you waiting to the last second to try to resolve something in your life? Why didn't you resolve that 20 years ago when you had that dilemma, when you had that unforgiveness in your heart? Why did you let that fester and build? And the reason is, is because they never had, knew how to communicate with life. They never knew where life actually came from within them to be able to communicate the things that they needed to communicate to experience the life that they've always wanted. And Solomon, who is the wisest man that ever lived, actually gave some insight into what that looks like in Proverbs chapter 4. And this is what he says. Starting in verse 20, he says, My child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart, for they bring life to those who find them and healing to your whole body. Now, if you want life and you want healing, he says, man, what he's about to say you better open up your ears. Better open up your heart because it's going to be a game changer. This is what he says. He says, guard your heart above all else. For it determines the course of your life. Solomon, all that buildup and you say, guard your heart. For it determines the course of your life. Why? Like, you could have said a lot of things. I, th I thought we were communicating life. He's saying, listen, whatever you're communicating is coming from a source. And the source of your life is your heart. And so if you're saying something, you're like, where did that come from? You want to know where that came from? It came from your heart. Whether you're speaking good, whether you're speaking bad, whether you're holding forgiveness and giving it away freely or whether you're holding on to unforgiveness and clutching it tight. Where that's coming from is your heart. In fact, Jesus said it like this in Matthew chapter 15, verse 18. He said, the words you speak come from the heart. That is what defiles you. The word defiles means to pollute or corrupt. He says, listen, the source of everything that's coming from your life is coming from one source, and it's your heart. That's why your legacy begins and ends in your heart. And what's flowing from your heart? Reminds me of this story I heard about this village in India. Small little village. It was on this river, and... and uh, this river was their source, it was their sustenance, it was their water supply, it was their bathing place, it was where they washed their food, it was where they got, grabbed water to cook their food from. I mean, it was the, 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 the source of basically their life. And they started noticing that villagers started getting sick, they started coming down with diseases, they started having this epidemic going throughout their village, and, and they couldn't figure out what was going on. And finally, one of the village elders decided, like, hey, we, like, something is happening here that we can't figure out. Why don't we start walking up the stream of where this river is and see if something has happened. And as they traveled upstream, they got to about a mile away from their village, and they found that there had been an animal that was diseased and sick and had fallen into the river and died. 
And because of that diseased animal, it was because it was in the river at the source, all of a sudden it was polluting the river and it was all flowing downstream and it was impacting and affecting everyone that was taking part of it. And they grabbed the, the carcass out and they burned it and they started cleaning up the area around it. And all of a sudden there was no more sickness, there was no more disease, there was no more uh, 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 things that were happening to the villagers. Why? Because they went to the source and got it right and everything else began to change. Church, you've got to understand that that source is your heart. And your heart is so critical to the legacy that you're going to leave. And if we don't get our heart right, then we're never going to communicate with life because everything is flowing out of our heart into our life. And so we've got to live with integrity, and we've got to communicate with life. And number three, we've got to love God with our everything. We've got to love God with our everything. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, it says, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your might. God says, man, this is, this is the most critical thing that you should do. And then Jesus comes along in the New Testament. This is Old Testament. It says the exact same thing in Matthew chapter 22, Mark chapter 12, Luke chapter 10. John just missed it. I don't know what he was doing that day. But Jesus established that this was an important thing because people would come to Jesus and go, hey, Jesus, what's the most important thing we need to do? If, if we have one choice, what is the choice that we need to make? And he says, man, you need to love God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your might. He says, the way that you love God is going to determine how you love other people. And how you love other people is going to determine the legacy that you leave in people. That's why we have to love God with our everything. Now, when we think of love, we automatically think of love how we see it today. And our love, let's be honest, is a very emotional love. And, and we have a tendency to love like everything. I love ice cream. I love cookies. I love movies. I personally love shoes. You know, we, we love lots of things, don't we? But that isn't the kind of love that God is referring to here. He's saying, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, and might. The love that he's talking about there is this love called agape. And it's an unconditional, it's an unbridled, it's an un, unhindered kind of love. It's where you go, man, I'm going to be unrestrained in my love towards God. And I'm going to love him with everything that I am, with every single ounce of who I am. And it's a singular love. That's why Jesus said, man, you can't, you can't love or serve two different things. There's only one thing you're going to be able to serve. In fact, he said that in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, he says, no one can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and love the other, or he would be devoted to the one and despise the other. In other words, we need an undivided devotion to God. We need this undivided, and he says, man, we need to love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our might. Now, this is important because God and Jesus actually give us an order. It isn't these three, three things are equal. It's actually an order to things. In order, the order of things creates capacity in your life. If you have things out of order, you're going to lack the capacity that's necessary to become the man or woman that God is calling you to be, to leave the legacy you want to leave. He says you've got to get these right, and it starts in your hearts. And the word heart there that he's referring to, the Greek and the Hebrew call it your suke. 
It's, 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 it's your innermost being. It's the inner sanctuary that God created just for you and him. It's this place of intimacy that is only to be reserved for your relationship with God and God alone. It's, it's very much like the marriage bed that the Bible talks about. It says, don't let the marriage bed be undefiled because you know in a marriage that that is a place of intimacy between two people. Between a man and a woman that they can come together and they can have this intimacy and this relationship and nothing else is to enter that place. That is reserved for them and them alone. In fact, that's why it's a beautiful picture because Jesus says that we are the bride of him. We're the bride of Christ. He says, man, there is an inner sanctuary where it's to be this relationship with you and God where he becomes your ultimate, where he is your number one, where this intimacy and relationship take place. And the goal with God is that this would be a place that's just reserved for you and him. The problem is, is anger comes into our life. Bitterness comes into our life. Unforgiveness comes into our life. And the moment that we don't put those things in proper order, all of a sudden, they start to take Jesus' place. And we push God out. We wonder why there's an edge to us in life. We wonder why every relationship we come to, we cut people. I don't want to cut people, but why? I've got bitterness in my suitcase instead of God there. what we need to do in that moment is we need to love God. We need to be, have this unrestrained love where we go, no, 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 nothing's going to take God's place. And I'm going to allow God to begin to heal those areas and I'm going to release those things so that God can take his rightful place in my heart. And then he says, when you, when you love God in your, in your heart, in your innermost being, then all of a sudden you can begin to love God with your soul which is your mind, your will, and your emotions. And here's the problem. So many of us, we try to approach faith from an emotional standpoint. We go, you know what? This year is going to be different. In fact, we approach life this way. We, we go, this year is going to be different. This is going to be the year that I'm going to be healthy. I'm going to eat clean. I'm going to work that diet. It's going to change everything. And you try with all of your mind, like with all this emotional things. You're like, I'm going to do this. And three days later, you're sitting at Krispy Kreme. Come on, you know you were there. I saw you there. <laughs> Why? Because you started at the wrong place. Order determines capacity, and you don't have the emotional strength to do what's necessary for you to overcome that thing. You need to put God in his place, and all of a sudden, all, what he can do is he can start to take over that emotional fortitude within you and use that for you, which will eventually lead you to all of your mights. When you think about that, you think about, well, I'm going to do this in my strength. I'm going to do this in my power. But so many of us know that our power has become pretty powerless, hasn't it? And that word might right there is actually the same word that Jesus uses as power. All throughout the New Testament, it's actually the word called dunamis. It's explosive power. And it's referring to a power that comes inside of you that when you get God right in your life, when you have him in the center of your heart and you're allowing your emotions to be controlled by God, not other things, all of a sudden you start to live with this love that is a reckless abandonment towards God, which is, in other words, a life of surrender. That's 
That's why Zechariah chapter 4 verse 6 says, this is the word of the Lord, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Because the thing that God wants to do is he wants to empower you with a spirit and a power that is so much greater than your might, but it only comes through a life that is fully surrendered in the correct order. Because the order creates capacity for what God wants to do. That's why he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 and 10, he says, but Christ said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness, in surrender. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. It says at the end, for when I am weak, then I am strong. And so many of us have approached life and tried to create a legacy, but a legacy begins in our hearts. Legacy begins in the innermost being of who we are and flows out to every other aspect of our lives. And some of us have allowed life to pollute and dilute and destroy the sanctuary that God established for just you and him. He's saying you want to leave a spiritual legacy, it begins with your heart. It begins with you putting your heart back together in the right way and Allowing your soul to come into submission to that and then allowing your might to be surrendered so that his power can be made perfect through your weakness. And when you do that, you'll have the power and the ability to live with integrity and communicate with life and love God with your everything. Would you guys bow your heads and pray with me? Maybe you're here today and as I was talking, you, you're going, Pastor TJ, I, 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 there's some things that are going on in my heart where God is definitely not the ultimate. He's not in the right place in the middle of my heart. And listen, the greatest legacy you can leave is a legacy of faith because you began and lived in relationship with your creator. A God that loved you so much that he was willing to pay the ultimate price, the price of his son on the cross so that you could experience life and experience it more abundantly. And maybe here today, you need to get some things right in your hearts. You need to surrender some things. You need to lay some things down at the cross of Christ so that God can begin to uh, restore and rejuvenate that relationship and create that relationship again. I'm not talking about rules or religion. I'm talking about you knowing the creator of the universe in a real and authentic way. And maybe you're here today and you need to do that for the first time. Or maybe you kind of fell away from that and you need to come back and reestablish that relationship. I don't, I would be amiss if I let you leave here today without doing that. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe you need to make that decision. Maybe you need to say, you know what, God, I need to reestablish you as the ultimate, the number one in my heart. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, if you would just slip your hand up on the count of three. We'd love to pray with you. One, two, three. Go ahead and slip them up. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Anybody else? Yes. Yes, ma'am.